a moment of power. It's time for a Moment of Power podcast with Pastor Johnny Henderson, being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Let's stand and go to the word, Nehemiah chapter 6, Nehemiah chapter 6, celebrate Reverend Carter, lead us in worship again today, amen. Celebrate our ushers, everybody that's serving today, the audio video team, and celebrate them. First lady on Facebook in the back, amen. We celebrate her, amen. And we always celebrate our deacons as well. Our deaconess ministry. Thank you, Sister Ada, for doing the welcome, amen. Y'all, we're bringing back a formal welcome. I don't want to do it from the pulpit anymore. We're going to start doing it from the floor of the formal welcome, amen. We'll start back doing that, amen. amen. Nehemiah chapter 6, Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 9, 1 through 9. Sister Marcellus is back with us this morning. She was out sick last week. Praise God for her. Amen. Praise God. Nehemiah chapter 6, it says, the words on the screen as well, when word came to Sambalot, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates. Sambalot and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project. It cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Verse 4. Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Verse 5, then the fifth time Sambalot sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it, it is true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come let us meet together. Verse 8, I sent him this reply. Nothing like you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. He's spreading rumors. Then verse 9 says, they were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands would get too weak for the work. And it would not be completed. But I pray, now strengthen my hands. But I pray, now strengthen my hands. Uh, Verse 3 is going to drive the sermon today. It says, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop? While I leave it. Go down to you. Point at somebody and tell them, just keep on serving. Just keep on serving. Serving. I want to preach for a few minutes, for just a few minutes with with this thought in our mind. Stay on the wall. Stay on the wall. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we come now thanking you for this opportunity to stand before your people behind the sacred podium. God, I pray that you would anoint me afresh. I pray, God, that you would use me for your own pleasure, for your own purpose. God, help me to articulate what you have given me to share. 
Come when it's all said and done. May you be glorified. May we all be edified. And may the enemy be terrified. And God, may someone come ask, what must I do to be saved? This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Stay on the wall. Stay on the wall. Thank you for that graphic. I like that. Stay on the wall. Stay on the wall. Y'all, let's talk about serving, y'all. We're going to talk about that again. This is our uh, fifth sermon in our series, the Nehemiah series, Rise and Build. Series on leadership, servant leadership, serving in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ, or in the church, what have you. Whatever you want to label it as. Let the church say, serve. I want to talk about serving, but I want to, I want to approach it from a different angle today. I want to approach it from the angle of focus. Say focus. Focus. We all know that faith is important, but I want to argue with you today, focus matters too. Focus matters too. You can have all the abilities in the world, you can have all the opportunities in the world, but if you don't have focus, you won't get anywhere. You won't get anywhere. Not, in your, not even in your own personal life or not even in serving within the body of Christ or in the church. Being able to focus, y'all, is a very important discipline in our development as believers. Focusing on Jesus is what enables us to be effective kingdom workers and bear fruit to, for him. Let me say that again. Focusing on Jesus what he's called us to do enables us to be effective kingdom workers and bear fruit for him. That's what it's all about, bearing fruit for Jesus Christ. The Bible speaks clearly about focusing on Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12, 1 verses 2, verses 1 and 2, it, it admonishes us to run our own individual race with our eyes fixed or focused on Jesus. Yeah. It says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. It says in verse 2, looking unto Jesus. That's focus right there. The author and finisher of our faith, who is the joy that was set before him, enduring the cross, despising the shame, and set down at the right hand on the throne of God. Focus. One writer says, if we are focused on Christ, then he has our attention. We are concentrating on him and his word. He occupies the forefront of our mind. And so I suggest to you this morning that, that serving God in any capacity, whatever ministry you serve in, whatever God is calling you to do, whatever purpose God has planted in your life or in your heart, I suggest to you it requires you to focus like never before. The reason you need to focus, beloved, is because the enemy is on the attack. He may have tried it before, as we see with these three, these three rascals in the text. They have tried it before, but here in chapter 6, they're back again. And you can attest to it, the devil has waged war on you before, and he keeps on coming back. And if you're not focused, you're going to be all over the place. The devil ain't going to stop you need to be ready for him every time. Uh, here we are today, Nehemiah, y'all. He's, he's in a good place now. They, they, he has an opportunity to finish the wall. We, we, we found out in chapter 1, he, he heard about the, the walls around Jerusalem being torn down, and he was grieved by that. 
But look where they're at now. Chapter 6. They're almost finished. And they wouldn't have finished without focus. Nehemiah 6. The building of the wall is almost finished. They've reached the crucial stage. All the breaches, everything that was torn down has been filled or replaced. The only thing left to do now is they have to fill just a few more openings. They have to the gates, they don't have gates, the gates which, which don't have uh, doors yet, they got to get those doors and those gates in place. But the majority of the wall is finished. But what happens now is the enemy turns up the heat. Uh, that's what we see in the text. Everything has been filled, it's just about finished, but the enemy turns up the heat. And I suggest to you right now, we need now more than ever to know how to deal with the schemes and the tricks of the enemy. Because the enemy wants you to distract you from kingdom work and doing what God has called you to do. Not only that, he wants to rob you of everything God has for you. So the question, the relevant question we have to deal with today, how do we stay focused and keep our eyes fixed on the task? How do we stay focused? I want to share three things with you. I brought three points with you today. The text reveals you can, you can stay focused and defeat the tricks of the enemy if you do three things. I'm just going to give you three. Number one, you have to have a high regard for the work of God. A high regard. Let me make sense out of it. Make it make sense. That's what they say now. Make it make sense. You got to have a high regard for the work God has called you to. Serving requires high regard or high value for the work that God calls us to. I, I, uh, I, I want to say it like this. When you place high value on serving God or working in the kingdom of God, nothing can turn you away from it. Nothing can turn you away from it. High value, when you understand it is a privilege and an honor to serve God. It's a privilege and an honor to serve God. You, you will take it seriously. You will take it seriously. I probably shared this with you before. When I first got licensed to preach, my aunt sent me a card. You know, a little green card. She wrote on that card, take your ministry seriously. I want to suggest to you today, you have to have high value in the work that God has called you to do. Whether you're standing on the door, whether you're on the organ, whether you're in the choir stand, whether you're on the camera, whether you're on upstairs in the in the in the in the cave upstairs, whether you're in the kitchen, whether you whether you have a ministry ministering to the homeless, whatever God called you to do, you need to have some value in that. And I say that because it's not just any old job. On the contrary, if you don't value what God has called you to do, you'll get distracted by the slightest thing. You'll get distracted by the slightest, the slightest thing. If you treat serving God like a side hustle, y'all know what a side hustle is? If you treat serving in the kingdom like a side hustle, uh, then Jack, that's just what it'll be. A side hustle. Something that you only use as a stepping stone. It'll, it'll only be something that you do to fulfill your boredom or occupy your empty time. Serving the kingdom is not a side hustle. It is, it is an honor to serve the Lord. It is an honor to serve God's people. And if you're not, if you don't have any, if you don't care nothing about it, 
you won't, you won't take it seriously. Paul says it best in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. He said, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable. Watch this. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that your labor is not in vain. I love that. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. He says in Colossians 3, 24, 25, whatever you do, work heartily as if or as for the Lord and not men. That's key point. Work heartily as for the Lord and not men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. That's the English standard version right there. Nehemiah understands how important the work of God is and he understands distractions and the spiritual warfare that the enemy wages when someone makes the work of God a priority. When you make the work of God a priority or a value, that's when God, that's when the enemy comes to attack. Uh, when you, I, I want to suggest when you treat it like a side hustle. Alright, you probably you probably it doesn't matter to you. Notice what it says here. Verse 1 it says, When word came to Sambalot, Tobiah, Geshem, the area of the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates. Verse 2, Sambalot and Geshem sent me this message. They tried to trick him. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But he recognizes and says, But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent the messengers with, to them with this reply I am carrying on a great project. He said, great. He, he values the word. He says, I am carrying on a great project. Or the King James says, a great work. And cannot go down. In other words, I ain't got time for your foolishness. He says, why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message. And each time I gave them the same answer. The only way to be focused is to know and value what God has called you to do. We got to have an affection for the will of God to not only know what he wants, but also value it when he gives it to us. When you understand the value of serving the Lord, you won't compromise when the enemy tries to lure you with temptation. That's what they're doing. Sambalot and his homies, they're still upset about the wall being rebuilt. They know the first time they tried to stop the wall being rebuilt, it didn't work. So they add it again. So they try again. They send this message. Come, let us meet together in the plain of Ono. And while the building went on, they ridiculed and threatened these people. But now that success has come, they, they attempt to lure them down to their level uh, so that some compromise might be made. Notice how, notice how Nehemiah, he met this temptation. I love that this. This is my best, my favorite part. He knew that the temptation to engage the enemy would bring him down. He says in verse 3, I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. He didn't come down because he knew the value of the work. Are y'all hearing me this morning? He says, the King James, I'm doing a great work. The NIV says, a great project. Look, working for the Lord is a great thing. Who's on the Lord's side? If you're on the Lord's side, it's a great thing and our reward will come from God. And so I want to encourage you today, don't come down. Look at your neighbor and say, don't come down. Stay on the wall. He says, he says I can't come down. That's interesting, y'all, because he said that. 
We learn in the Psalms of Ascent that Jerusalem is elevated. It's at an elevation, but when the trials of Israel, when they made their journey to Jerusalem, they had to go up to get to Jerusalem. Here is Nehemiah. He's rejecting the temptation of the enemy because they wanted him to come down to their level. You can't go down to the enemy's level. Are you hearing me today? He knew the danger of going down. He said, why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Satan is always trying to get us to come down. He wants us to come down. And when we do come down, we can expect to lose some stuff. Don't come down from the place that God has called you to occupy. I know that thing over there looks better. But stay where God has planted you. I know it sounds better over there. But stay where God has planted you. Don't come down and entertain the foolishness of the enemy. Amen. You got to make it up in your mind, beloved, this morning, that you're going to stay focused on what God has called you to do. And I want you to consider this. When we get distracted by the enemy, we have come down to his level. We do a couple things. We abandon the work. We abandon the assignment that God has called us to do. Nehemiah's call, his commission, y'all, it was a great work. Whatever you're doing, it's great work. It's not just, it's just, it's not just a side hustle. God has called you to be a change agent in the world. That's great work. He says, uh, I'm doing a great work. Consider David, consider David, y'all, Psalm 84. He says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Satan will try every trick in his, in his arsenal, in his archive, whatever. He'll try every trick in his inventory to get you to come down, but you need to stay on the wall. He, he tried ridicule to drive them away from the work for God. He tried discouragement to make them think that the job was too big. The devil always tries to discourage me. I know he tries to discourage you. And I'll be honest, some days I feel like quitting. Let's be honest. Some days I feel like quitting. I get up sometimes and I tell my wife, I ain't feeling it today. Has anybody else been there? I, I tell Renee, at least about once a month, I ain't feeling it today. But God always encourages your heart. That's, that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to discourage us. Because he wants us to quit. He wants us to come down. Stay on the wall. Here he is now. He, he's tried to endanger their lives. In Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 11. They stopped playing cute. And they actually threatened bodily harm. The enemy comes to steal. To kill. And to destroy. But here it is. When you take a stand for God. You won't back down. You won't come down. You're going to stay on the wall and do what God has called you to do. Amen. Amen. Say that he tries discouragement. He tries uh, bodily harm. And now he's trying to distract them as well. He sent this message to Nehemiah simply to get him to lose focus. We should always be aware of the uh, tactic of distraction. Come on. 
You got to be aware if it if it doesn't serve people, if it if it if it doesn't glorify God, if it's not evangelizing the gospel to lost souls, if God is not in it, then it's probably a distraction. Satan wants us to come down off the wall. He would try to distract us from the main work that God has called us to do. One thing, let me push this a little bit further. Uh, one thing is, it's one thing for us individually to get distracted. But I want to say it's a whole another thing for the whole church to get distracted. The devil would love to distract this church from the work that God has called us to do. And let's be honest, sometimes churches get distracted. We get, we get caught up in a whole lot of foolishness. We get caught up in all kinds of side issues. But the job still remains the same. Amen. It's not about how fancy the sanctuary is. It's not about who has the biggest church. It's not about who has the most members. The job still remains the same. And that is to bring souls to Jesus Christ. To serve the Lord. The, the, the feed the poor the, the, the job hasn't changed but when the church is distracted the enemy has taken us off the wall say that he wants to divide and conquer the church y'all but we gotta make up in our mind we won't come down I love that Nehemiah said I, I, I can't come down I'm focused on this wall Satan wants to divide and conquer all of us but don't come down. If we come down, we abandon the work for the devil's foolishness. But secondly, if we come down, we compromise our witness. We compromise our witness. Look at Nehemiah. He's in a leadership position. All of the people are looking up to him. If he had come down and got distracted by the enemy, uh, he would have compromised his witness. Think about that. When you come down off the wall, uh, think about the people watching you. Think about all the young people watching you. Think about all of the new Christians that are looking to you for mentorship. But you're so easily distracted by everything the enemy throws at you. We got to realize our witness is what leads souls to Christ. So number one, if we want to stay focused we have to value the work of God. We can't treat it like a side hustle. We can't become easily distracted. Say, don't come down. Don't come down. Here's the second thing I want to share with you. When you're focused on serving and working for God, this is my favorite point, might get me in trouble. Resist the urge to engage in messy ministry. This is my favorite one. Resist the urge to engage in messy ministry. In, in other words, let me put it to you like this. Stay on the wall and stay out of the pit. Stay on the wall and stay out of the pit. It gets real messy in the pit. Stay out of the pit of pettiness. Stay out of the pit of nastiness. Stay out of the pit of insecurity. Stay out of the pit of people pleasing. Stay out of the pit of always wanting to fight with people. It gets messy in the pit. Paul says in Romans 12, 17 through 19, do not repay anyone evil for evil. 
Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Stay on the wall. And stay out of the pit. Resist the urge to engage in messy ministry. We know a pit as a hole in the ground. But spiritually speaking, y'all, the pit is a place of destruction and hopelessness. In Genesis, Joseph's brothers, they were, they were upset, him, upset with y'all, and they wanted to throw him in the pit with the idea that he would never be heard from again. Serving the Lord, a king of work, it can get messy when we meet people where they are. I say it because the enemy will use people to get messy with you. The enemy will use people to get nasty with you. If you come down off the wall to engage people, there are petty attacks that the enemy uses people for. Things are liable to get real messy. We, we cannot ignore the fact that we are engaged in spiritual warfare. And when we understand that, we know the nature of the attacks of the enemy. We know that the enemy uses people to get messy with us. We got to remain focused. You're not the first person to deal with it. Jesus went through it. Jesus, he, he, he found himself in some messy situations. I particularly like John chapter 8. When the scribes and Pharisees, they, they brought the woman that was caught in adultery. They brought the woman to Jesus. He stooped down and wrote in the ground. He says, he that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. That was a messy situation. But but Jesus, he handled it. He didn't engage in the mess. Rather, he stayed focused on ministry. Jesus also rebuked people when he had to. We all know Jesus, he used scripture. He used parables to deal with difficult people as well. The Pharisees and the scribes, they, they always tried to trip him up. They're always trying to get messy with them. But he used scripture and parables to, to, to try to uh, keep from engaging in messy ministry. Right. Here we are now in Nehemiah's case. These old rascals, Sambalot, I'm going to call them a rascal. Sambalot and Tobiah. They were the face of the attack, but it's actually Satan behind the scenes. Yeah. Got to remember, the battle's not against flesh and blood. Sambalot sends the message four times. Nehemiah denied it four times. Then it turns messy. How does it turn messy? I'm glad he asked. Uh, Sembalot, he sends him an unsealed letter. Verse 5 through 7 says, Then the fifth time Sembalot sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter. We're going to come back to that in just a second. That's the key point. In which it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building a wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to come to become their king and have appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king and Judah. He goes on to say, now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us meet together. It got messy, y'all, because usually a messenger would guard the letter with his life. Let me demonstrate. Usually a mess. 
when he sent the message, the message was only intended for one person. And they would seal the message, seal it with some wax or whatever. And the only person that letter was intended for is the only person that could read that letter. So now Samuelot, he sends the letter unsealed. Uh, he getting messy. He sends the letter unsealed. So now, as the messenger is going from Samaria to Jerusalem, anybody can read this letter. Uh, Samuel, Samuel, he wants as many people as possible to read this letter. That's how rumors get started. That's how a whole bunch of mess gets started. That's how that's how gossip gets started. And this is how, y'all, he wants as many people to read this letter. And this is how the enemy opened doors to rumors. He opened doors to slander, character assassination, uh, false accusation, lying on people the whole nine. Sambalot, just like the enemy tries with us, Sambalot wants us. As many people as possible to read this rumor he has put on this letter. And also, whoever wanted to become king, he accused him of planning to overthrow King Artaxerxes. And I like the way Nehemiah responds. He said, You just making that stuff up in your head. I love that. He says, Nothing like what you are saying has happened. You are just making it up in your head. Uh, don't resist the urge to engage in message ministry. For us, we have to be strategic in our response, how we respond to pettiness and messiness. Are you hearing me today? I know it's hard, y'all. It's one of the most difficult things we deal with in life because it's, it's hard to ignore the lies. It's hard to ignore the slander and the rumor. But we got to be strategic. That's right. Don't let the enemy bring you down off the wall. Every time God begins to use you for kingdom work, that's when that old devil begins to go to work. He, he wants you to respond and bring you down. And you got to understand, the way you respond, it could get messy. And I want to tell you this morning, you can't get tangled up in how people perceive you. You can't. You can't waste time responding to people if they're not about the business of God. Now, I know we want to respond, but I'm going to tell you, you're going to drive yourself crazy trying to fuss and fight with everybody. As my granddaddy said, you're going to run yourself raggedy. Stay on the wall and stay out of the pit. We got a value serving the Lord. And we have to resist the urge to engage in messy ministry. I'm almost done. Here's the third thing. When you're serving and focused on God, you got to stay focused. The third thing, you need to have a sense of urgency about prayer. You got to have a sense of urgency about prayer. We, we cannot overemphasize prayer enough. Whatever, whatever you're going through, not, not just about serving, but whatever you're going through in your life, don't miss an opportunity to engage the Lord in prayer. In, in all six chapters we have looked at, and if you've been studying this on your own, every chapter we have seen Nehemiah have a sense of urgency about prayer. He walks by faith in deepening his commitment to the work through 
prayer. Let's just say prayer. The enemy has tried everything he can with Nehemiah and his people, yet prayer is still the choice weapon for spiritual warfare. Prayer, not hands. I know you want to. I know you want to get like Fred and Sam. I'm gonna lay five across your lips. Prayer is the choice weapon of spiritual warfare. He stayed on the wall. He resisted temptation. He resisted the urge to go down in the pit of messy ministry. And he prayed. I love it. Verse 9. They were all trying to frighten us. Thinking their hands would get too weak for the work. And they would not be completed. Verse 9. He said. But I prayed. Simple prayer. Now strengthen my hands. King James says. Now therefore O God strengthen my hands. He was aware of the tricks of the enemy. He was he knew he was engaged in spiritual warfare. The people that were working for him were becoming afraid. But it goes to show we got to stay prayed up because the enemy won't rest. But what we see in the text, two things about prayer that it does for us. We see in the text, and you know it for yourself. Number one, prayer neutralizes the presence of fear. Uh, they, they continue to Dealing with opposition, they're dealing with accusations, it's taking a toll on the people, and that's what the enemy desires. He wants them to quit, get scared and quit. He wants to create fear in the hearts of God's people. But pray. Prayer neutralizes fear. That's why David says in Psalm 23, verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So it neutralizes fear, but I love this prayer repurposes fear into the strength of God. It repurposes. It, it takes that fear that may come on you and it lifts it up to God and God did in exchange gives us his divine strength so we can keep on going. Repurpose. We can, we can the fellowship hall, we use it for sitting, we can repurpose it into a dining hall. And you ought to pray to God that he will take that fear and turn it into his divine strength that's going to help you stay on the wall. He said the enemy is trying to frighten us. He says, but I pray. Now strengthen my hands. This is not new to Nehemiah. He, he's prayed many times before. You got to you got to do the same thing. Keep praying unto God that he will give you strength to keep on going. He knew that God had called him to Jerusalem to rebuild a wall. And he was confident in the power of God. Anybody still confident in the power of God? And what it means, y'all, we cannot allow fear to dictate our response. We cannot allow, allow fear to dictate our actions. We cannot allow fear to dictate our lives. I know the enemy is one thing, but we serve an almighty God. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. He, he is more than able to give us what we need to overcome. Amen. 
Even in our moments of weakness, we need to look to the Lord and keep depending on Him. If, if, if you don't know to do anything else, you know how to pray. If, if, if there's nothing else you can do, you can get down on your knees, you can stop what you're doing, and you can pray. You can pray that simple prayer that Nehemiah prayed, strengthen my hands. I like that. If you don't know to do anything else, get the prayer wheel turning and have a little talk with Jesus. And as the old hymn says, now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry and he will answer by and by. Now when you feel a little prayer wheel turning and you know a little fire is burning, you will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. You, you need to get the prayer wheel turning. Matter of fact, don't get it turning. Keep it turning. Keep the prayer wheel turning. A little talk with Jesus makes it right. The enemy, he's going to use the same thing over and over and over. And that's why you got to keep that prayer wheel turning. You don't have to live in defeat. You don't have to live in discouragement. You don't have to live in doubt. Pray, stay on the wall, and stay out of the pit. I'm done. But Nehemiah, he didn't just stop there, y'all. He kept on going. The text goes on to show, we didn't read it earlier, but the text goes on to show that Nehemiah, he faced even more opposition from somebody inside his camp. Somebody in his, in, his, in his own camp tried to rob him of his focus. But what did he do? In verse 14, he still went to prayer. He kept the prayer wheel turning. He says, verse 14, remember to buy it and sample out my God because of what they have done. Remember also the prophet Noadiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. He kept on praying. He says, God, remember these people who have tried to touch your anointing. I'm done. I'm done, y'all. The clarion call is clear. Stay on the battlefield for the Lord. As the old song says, I promised him that I would serve him till I die. I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. I encourage you. A moment of power. It's a moment of power with Pastor Johnny Henderson being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Connect with them by visiting their website, lzmbc.net. Pastor Henderson, Lady Henderson, and the Little Zion family want to thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you will not miss a moment of power.